Hey, Craig. Hey there. Okay, we are now for real recording. Sorry about all the hassle. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, let's see. Call unknown. We want to record. Record. It is recording. Thank heavens. Okay. Thank you so much. Sorry about all that hassle. Um, we don't usually uh, record, uh, actually do uh, interviews this way, so it's unique, and it's, it's awesome. So um, we made it work. Had to kind of get a little crazy there for a minute, but it's working. So, um, Jeff Hall, or actually it should be, how do you pronounce that? Soak? Soke? Jeff Hall? Soke. Soke. It means, okay. it means founder. Founder. Okay. So Soke, Jeff Hall. And Jeff Hall is the founder of Hujutsu. And that is the, I like to call it the, uh, well, how, how would you actually define that? Hujutsu. Well, it's the martial art of shooting. Yeah, and so a little bit about Jeff Hall is, uh, so Soke Jeff Hall, and I'll just read the slightest bit of his bio because he has one of those bios that is far too vast to actually, you know, read as an intro. But you've been, uh, Jeff Hall has been shooting for over 50 years and has been a student of firearms combatives for 40 years. He has over 25 years of military and police experience with a strong emphasis on SWAT. And of course, he is the Asoke, the founder of Hujutsu. That's one of the things we're going to talk about today, along with you know, how Jeff Hall became Jeff Hall, your, your background a little bit. But I was talking to Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman, and he could not say enough good things about Hujutsu. And he made me a, a believer. And uh, with an opportunity to talk to the source, Jeff Hall, who is the founder, I, I, I jumped at the opportunity. So, uh, Jeff Hall, thanks for being on the show today. And, you know, I know everybody probably asks you this, but um, can we get a little bit, well, thanks for being on the show, of course, but also get a little bit of a, of a background on you that I didn't cover in the intro. I know your background is so vast, but then also how that led to you being the founder of Ujitsu. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, uh, army brat, um, lived quite a few different places. Um, I, uh, had a little bit of, uh, boxing training when I was a kid. I went to a Catholic school in Spokane, Washington. And for recess, uh, all the boys went into the gym and there was a former pro fighter named Joey August. And Joey August uh, taught us how to box uh, just for the exercise, and that was uh, that was a pretty good thing to learn um, at a young age. Um, and then I always wanted to um, I wanted to train in traditional martial arts. Uh, after I graduated from high school in 1970, went straight into the army. Um, was there for four years. Um, but uh, I always wanted some place where I could train, but uh, I moved around a lot. And uh, in uh, 1978, I joined the Alaska State Troopers. And um, my first uh, first couple of years, uh, I went through the academy, and then I was stationed in Anchorage. And then, uh, but before I 
before I went to the academy, they uh, hired me as a as a contractor um, and sent me out to uh, Western Alaska, uh, a little town called Bethel, and I was supposed to uh, buy drugs and uh, bootleg booze. So I got a job as a cab driver, and who knows more about where people are selling, you know, uh, substances than the cab driver. Um, <laughs> yeah. So after that, I went to the academy, um, and then I was in Anchorage for 11 months, and uh, the the uh, supervisor that I had worked for out in Bethel um had been promoted to first sergeant and he came into Anchorage and called me up and said, Hey, let's have lunch. And he said he, w- he wanted to um, open a one man post um, in a little uh, village on the, it's about 50 miles up from the mouth of the Yukon river. And um, he wanted to have a trooper post there. So I volunteered to do it, and uh, so I was there for two years. I had 58,000 square miles. I was the only trooper. There were a couple of village police officers and some village public safety officers, but I was the only one that could do, you know, felony arrests and all of that other stuff. And I had a brand-new snow machine, a brand-new riverboat, a brand-new truck, and no adult supervision. My boss was 110 miles away by air because there's no roads to get to uh, that part of Alaska and um, he just said just go do whatever you think is right so I had a great deal of leeway Um, and after a couple of years my fund meter was pretty well pegged and I had a a good friend who was also stationed out there at the same time and he transferred into Fairbanks and he called, called me up and said hey Put in for Fairbanks. We need you. So I went to Fairbanks, and uh, I was in Fairbanks for five years. I uh, rented an apartment from another trooper, you know, and, and uh, I was in talking to a couple of the troopers, and I said, "Is there any martial arts here?" And uh, they said, "Well, there's a Taekwondo guy, and there's this guy, but there's this uh, black guy down on uh, Two Street. Uh, Two Street was Skid Row." And so I went down there one day, and uh, um, and they said, he's really supposed to be good. So I went down there one day, and I was in uniform, and it was down in a basement. It had been a bomb shelter during the Cold War. Uh, no ventilation, um, so you could smell it uh, as soon as you started down the stairs because there was no place for uh, all the odors to go. And uh, I'm standing in the doorway, and... Uh, uh, young black belt came over and said, can I help you, sir? And I said, can I watch? And he said, uh, yeah, take your boots off and come on in. I said, I can't take them off because I'm on duty. Okay, well, just sit there and put your feet on this step. So I sat there watching this guy, and uh, I was just um, taken. And I've been with him for 42 years now. Wow. Um, yep. Yeah. He... Um, his foundation art is uh, Shudokan uh, Karate, not to be confused with Shotokan, which is Japanese. Shudokan is Okinawan. And um, he also has upper belts, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh degree black belts. 
and about seven other martial arts. Um, and so he was one of those uh, great um, experiences that you have. I still had my nose bent a little bit about uh, Vietnam, and I, after Vietnam, I spent a year in Rhodesia. And uh, so I was, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder, but um, I just, uh, I wanted to be just like him, and I still do to this day. Wow. So that got, that got me on the path of the martial way. Mm. Well, that, that, that sounds like uh, quite an amazing experience where your, your, your first duty is out in uh, super rural Alaska where there's no roads to get to things. Uh, so I guess you can pretty much uh, shoot in your backyard. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I was... <laughs> I uh, lived in this little uh, town. St. Mary's was a Catholic uh, boarding school. And, uh, of course, they had a church there, and they had um, teachers that came in. And um, in the old days, you know, back in the, I don't know, it probably ended in about the the mid-60s, but it was the only place where rural, rural uh, students could get an education. And then they passed a law um, where, regardless of how big the the village was, it had to have a school. So the state built all these schools, and but St. Mary's was still active. Um, and so uh, it was pretty. It was a good place to be. They had. Uh, I mean, I'm right on the Yukon River. There was another river that flowed in there called the Andrevsky, and uh, you could go up it and fish for grayling and. Um, you could fly up the Andreski in a super cub and have somebody drop you off and you could hunt moose and caribou and bears and all that stuff. Oh, that's uh, yeah. That was great. Yeah. And yeah, there's not uh, many wild places left. I mean, there isn't that many wild, well, there are still wild places, but to, uh, I think many people would really admire that to, I've had the chance to live in a place like Alaska that you could say it's truly still wild. There's a wild aspect of it. Yeah. It, uh, it, and a lot of it still is wild. Yeah. So. They've, uh, they've done away with the one man posts and now there are two troopers assigned to it. And, um, typically uh, each trooper weeks works two weeks on two weeks off. So you'll go out there for two weeks while the other trooper goes into Anchorage or wherever his residence is with his family. Uh, and then uh, so at the end of his two weeks, they just switch. Um, and they had uh, housing for him. And so it was pretty, it's, uh, it's a lot easier on the trooper now. Uh, but uh, yeah. I don't think it'd be quite as fun. No, probably not. It'd be, uh, the world is different. <laughs> the world's different than it was then. So... Then, somehow or the other, you found your way to, um, and I want to say, I want to pronounce it correctly. How do you, how do you, how do you pronounce that exactly? Hojutsu. Hojutsu. Uh, okay, so let me make sure I say it right. And somehow or the other, you became the Soke, the founder of Hojutsu. And so, how did that come about? Well, um after uh, after I retired, I went to work for the National Rifle Association. Uh, I worked for them for 20 years teaching 
law enforcement instructor courses. It's a 40-hour course, and um, you've got a lot of academic stuff and a lot of skills that you have to uh, master. Um, and I was teaching um, uh, an NRA uh, rifle course in Fairbanks. Um, one of the police departments said, hey, can you come up and do an NRA school? And so I did, and... Um, I would go down to the dojo every night. It was only a couple of miles away, and I would go down there, and uh, I was just a, a black belt in the middle of a sea of about 50 black belts because this uh, guy had come from Japan. His title uh, then was Kiyoshi. That means professor, and his last name was Yamazaki. And so um, I, I was just in there doing on Monday and Tuesday, and um, on Wednesday, I invited him to come out to the range to see what we're doing, and uh, so we're out there, and uh, he pulls up with uh, with Hunchy Scott. Uh, Hunchy Scott is my master, and they get out, and um, and uh, I went up and bowed to him, and and he looked at me, and he looked at all the people that are standing there, and he goes, this you, Dojo? And I said, uh, yes, sir, this is my Dojo. And um, anyway, uh, one of the other guys, I just asked the, one of the other instructors, hey, could you run the class here for a couple of minutes? And so I took him over to the side and where there was a berm, and I said, uh, Kiyoshi, have you ever shot a big bore pistol? And he said, Never touch gun. So, okay. Uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do this. So he, I said, hold the gun this way. And he was a seventh or eighth done. And so he, he understood, you know, uh, repetitive training. And uh, I taught him how to draw the gun, how to use the sights, how to press the trigger, um, all that kind of stuff. And, um, then I loaded the gun and said, uh, okay, watch the front sight, take a deep breath. I put his thumb up, take the safety off, put your finger on the trigger, and very slowly press the trigger. Boom, right between the eyes. Boom, he does another one, right between the eyes. And then he yanks on the trigger a little bit and drops it down about two inches. And then he says something in Japanese that I... He was cussing at himself, I'm sure. And then uh, he did it again, and I said, okay, hold the gun here. Push the gun out. Be strong. And when you get there, stop, relax. And he relaxed, boom, right on top of the first two. And uh, he turns to Hanchi and says something, and then he says, you come dojo tonight. So I went to the dojo, and I was a little bit late. And he, he uh, in, in, Japanese and Okinawan karate, if you're late to come to the fighting floor, you kneel down and you have your head down and you extend your right arm uh, out uh, with your fingers straight uh, and wait until the master says, come. And so uh, he said, come, and they told everybody, seiza, which means kneel down. And he sent, he goes to Mr. Scott, go. And he, Mr. Scott runs into the office and brings back this great big, diploma that's about uh, two feet by two and a half feet, all in Japanese. And uh, 
he said uh, to the students, sometimes master, always student. Listen to your sensei. My sensei, big bore pistol, um, sensei hall. And um, so on this thing, he had, he had moved me to third degree black belt in his system, which is called Itate Do, and wrote on their master of shooting. So that was the that was the kernel of it, and then uh, wow. later on, I, yeah, later on I went to Hanchi and said, "How come shooting's not a martial art?" And he said, "I don't know. Why don't you research it?" So I researched it and uh, finally found um, Hojutsu um, on the inter, uh, internet, and it was um, started in Japan in about 1530 with Portuguese matchlock rifles. And um, some of the samurai, like the movie The Last Samurai, um, the sword is the samurai's soul. And some of them said, we're not doing that. That's a foreign thing. But there was a battle in 1575 called the Battle of Nagashina. And one of the the small warlords um, was able to keep the big warlord from taking over his, uh, his entire... Uh, property uh, because he trained up, he had the Portuguese train up 500 of his samurai and they had a battle. Um, they were pretty smart the way they did it. Um, and the, the 500 killed almost 10,000 of the enemy samurai in one day. Whoa. Because they were using matchlocks. So um, some people accept it, some people don't to this day. Um, the first uh, Hall of Fame I was inducted into, um, this guy said, guns don't have any business in martial arts. And I said, well, sir, martial means the arts of Mars, the Roman god of war. And firearms have been, in, in the Western world, uh, been part of war since the 1500s. Um, so there's a place for everything. And... Uh, he said, um, well, what if, uh, what if I took a swing at you right now? I said, you'd probably knock me out. But across this room, uh, you draw your katana and start screaming, coming at me, and I draw my pistol. I would own that room. Um, and there are places where sometimes, um, you know, impact weapons, uh, empty hand weapons, um, you know, all of those different things um, just aren't enough. So anyway, and then I, so I got together with, um, I went to Hanshi Scott and I said, um, well, sir, how do I get this going? And he told me, he said, well, kind of write up what you want to do. Uh, I want you to, uh, I want you to fly down to LA and talk to Soke Kubota. So I did, went down to Kubota and one, his number one student, was a guy named Rod Kuratomi, and Kuratomi was a gun guy, and he thought this was really a good idea. Um, so with Soke, uh, we talked about it, and then uh, with Soke Kubota's permission, Rod became the number two guy in the system. That's Soke Dai, D-A-I. So he was Soke Dai. And uh, we had seven of us met up in Spokane, Washington. Uh, we had the police range. We had a big workout room. 
and we uh, worked. On, I had developed a kata that was pretty crude, um, but one of the Master Bratakos was one of the guys that came up there. He's been doing karate since before I was born. Um, anyway, they, they tuned it up a little bit like that, and so that was uh, the first kata that we did. And then um, we needed an impact weapon, so I came up with a cane kata, a walking cane. <coughs> I trained with uh, Grandmaster Mark Shuey, who started Cane Masters. And if you ever take a look at Mr. Shuey's uh, website, canemasters.com, he sold out that name, though, to somebody else, but uh, you'll never look at an old guy with a, with a cane through the same lens because you know that he can just thump you with that thing. Mm. And, then we, and then we decided we, uh, one, of the, one of the other plank owners is a guy named uh, uh, Sensei Tangan, and he's got a second don in Taekwondo, and he studied our niece under Grandmaster Prasus, and who was one of Danny you know, Santos' students. So we included a knife kata in it because there's sometimes there's a lot of places you can't go uh, and take a gun, but you can maybe have a folding knife and you can certainly have a stick in your hand. So the the whole thing I want a, our students to be able to do is from flat on their backs to 500 yards. We want them to have the uh, mindset, the skills, the knowledge, the ability, and the tools to win fights. Hmm. That makes sense. And the qualifications you have per belt level are there on the site, and they're quite impressive. So uh, one thing I say is before that is um, I understand people with that mentality of there's no place for firearms in martial arts, but like you mentioned, the samurai use them. I mean, uh, and also... Martial arts, to me, there's so often a collection of martial arts that already exist um, that are then mixed and tailored for a specific purpose. And if, if, if one is going to study martial arts that are most poignant today, you know, like always, it's going to be, like all of history, it's going to be a, a mix of previous martial arts and, you know, weapons are in no way new to the martial arts. It may be, it might be that just uh, in recent history, uh, guns may seem new to us, but they've never been uh, foreign to martial arts anyway. And if one does go to any, let's say something very, uh, you know, street proficient, I guess you'd say, like uh, Krav Maga, um, one of the things you're going to do constantly is... uh, train against knife and machete and guns. So in any relevant martial arts, you're training against uh, being shot, being stabbed, <laughs> being hit with a stick. Right. So it just seems that, I just think it's a misunderstanding that people have. And I can say that, like, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman definitely uh, convinced me that um, it's, well, one thing is, if people, let's say, um, 
if we're going to train for the real world, for, for reality, there's a very good chance that someone's going to attack you with a knife and you're going to take it from them and subdue them. You know, same thing with a gun or a stick or a machete. So the idea of having, I guess, it just seems like it's a little bit of a step for some people to learn how to be offensive, not just defensive against weapons. But that's, I think that might be something that people have to let go because like when I look at the uh, training criteria for belts, for leveling, they're, they're extreme. I mean, a person is definitely learning an art and it's going to take a while to get those belts, to get those levels because uh, especially it starts, I think you mentioned initially with the handgun, then the, the, the and then eventually it, it gets to the rifle and anyone who's not familiar with it, I mean, shooting 25 yards, 7 yards, even 50, really you can kind of do it with your eyes closed. You can just know where the target is. But when you start hitting 100 yards, that's a different story. 300, whole different story. 500, different story. So this is uh, just like we had Zen archery at one time. There's, I mean, shooting at distance is, I think it's as relevant as a practice, as a, a, a deep skill as any with any weapon, really. So I'm glad that you're getting people past the stigma that only certain weapons are acceptable in martial arts and then certain are not. Because I guess you'd say on the street, in reality, uh, anything goes. So you better be ready for anything. (laughs) Yeah, I think... Well, it does. I I agree. Um, And... You know, if if somebody uh, confronts you on the street and draws a knife and you draw a gun, he just realizes that, gee, I probably shouldn't take a knife to what's going to be a gunfight. And exactly. you, can win, you can win by intimidation uh, more easily, but if you have to shoot, you have to shoot. Um, but we, and in our, our, our testing, we shoot three different tests and we shoot them in a specific order. Um, the first test is just kind of a warm-up. The second test is uh, balancing speed and accuracy. And the third test is mostly just accuracy. It's an old 60-round PPC course. But um, most people can't slow themselves down. Um, one of my early mentors was a guy named Chuck Taylor. And he was in Vietnam oh, yeah. vet. And, yeah, well, you must know Chuck or, or know of yeah. him. He, he died him, yeah. uh, three, four years ago, yeah. Um, he, uh, I was down there and we hired him to uh, come up to Alaska and uh, give us a class on shooting from helicopters. I had already done that once as a trooper. Um, but he was, he said, and he had all these pretty good uh thoughts. Um, the master uses all the time available. So <clears throat> if you're trying to shoot somebody at 50 yards and you have cover and you you should take all the time you uh, can to get that perfect shot. And as we score these, um, it, one, you know, the heavy outside line of the torso, there might be, you know, blank paper around it. Yeah. Um, if they go outside the, the the black line, they fail. And if they're doing that on their um, on their last test, and they throw one out and fail, they got to start all over again. 
because every bullet that comes out of every muzzle has a lawyer's name and phone number on it. And we yeah. don't want to be the we don't want to be the guys that are running around and having people um, get injured that shouldn't be injured. So the yeah the and it's one of the few um, martial arts um, that's um, purely objective. Um, a lot of times, like uh, Soke Dai Kuratomi, one day he and uh, Soke Kubota are walking out the door, and uh, Soke Kubota goes, "Oh." Use six belt, six don now. So just because time is great or whatever it was, you know. Um, but no, you have to pass the tests and you have to pass the tests in order. And uh, people say, well, that's really hard. Train harder. Um, but it's a it's a standard that you just can't uh, argue with, except if you can't shoot that well. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the art, and I, I like the way it's, you know, formalized into um, something a, a, a training regiment that's built around well discipline and and respect, and because uh, I mean for me I, I did karate as a kid um, when I was much younger, kenpo karate, and that was very good for me. And then you know recent years I've done, I've done other uh, striking martial arts, but most recently I've gotten into aikido. And I think that might be my favorite of all things I've ever done because, well, Aikido is just mystical. But but beyond that, um, you start with weapons. You start, you know, everything is kind of the same, whether you have a sword, a stick, or a knife. Um, or you are just using your hands. There's only the slightest differences. So, I mean, for people who might be anti, I'll say guns, uh, firearms in, in martial arts, realize that, you know, a very unique martial art like a keto, I mean, you start your first day with a um, a wooden sword in your hand, learning, you know. So, uh, and also, I think that uh, so I think one of the apprehensions people might have is they think that an individual is going to do a martial art that's only with the gun. And even if you did, that's totally fine. But I don't know many martial artists who have ever done just one thing. And I think that, you know, Hojutsu would be, you know, one of the many disciplines or one of the few disciplines that a fully rounded martial artist is going to have. And then if that person is pro Second Amendment and firearms, great. If they're not, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think to really be a truly proficient martial artist in the world today, they're missing a serious foundation if they're not doing jiu-jitsu. That's just my take on it, or at least having some interest in, in uh, offensive use of weapons as well. Well, you know, the problem with, is with most traditional weapons, um, you can't walk around, you can't walk down the street in Phoenix with a katana in your hand. You're going to be talking to a nice Phoenix police officer over the front side <laughs> yeah. of a shotgun. Um, in California, nunchaku, uh, a dagger or dirk, very illegal to even possess outside of a, a training school. So, um, but America is pretty much used to people um, in any decent state, uh, yeah. you know, carrying guns and um, and being able to use them efficiently and correctly. No, it's true. It's true. And I also think that uh, Hijitsu, maybe one of the advantages it has, 
for, I'd say, America, to the world, but I'll focus on America since this is where I'm standing, is um, maybe it would help to get rid of that stigma that many have when it comes to firearms because uh, when you formalize it into a martial arts and if we start seeing, well, just the studios or, you know, many studios train in several different martial arts because that becomes one of them, I think that that would create a tremendous amount of familiarity and just change the way uh, people see weapons. Like I can think of like Krav Maga, for instance, plenty of people that I've you know done Krav Maga with at different studios, they find guns distasteful. You know, they're not interested. But since you train so much around weapons in that martial art that the next thing you know, you know, they own and carry a Glock 19. <laughs> you know, part of it is just that familiarity. They just never knew. They just never understood. And they were told that that culture and those weapons are bad. And now they get formally introduced in a respectful manner of training that truly is regimented and difficult. I think it it can't help but... It can't help but be very, very good for the Second Amendment. Have you found that it has changed people's minds? Um, some people, um, and, and some people just say, well, it doesn't belong in martial arts. But if, if they see the, the end product, somebody who's trained five or six years, um, Colonel Grossman's grandson, Tannen, uh, came to a class, and he... He just left it, you know, all a buzz, and but everything was yes sir, no sir. Um, it, it, I didn't have any altruistic uh, things about this is going to change the world, but um, I've had all kinds of people come and watch a seminar. Boy, I can't believe how pe- how polite these people are. All these guys that are carrying guns. Well, just because you carry a gun doesn't mean uh, you're not polite, um, and it it might be helpful if um, maybe people learn self-discipline, self-respect, and respect for others by training in this, and maybe we'll have a few fewer knuckleheads uh, running around the streets. I don't know. I think I think so. I mean, uh, especially when well, something that's astounded me with you know, a martial art that's new to me, Aikido, is usually at many martial arts studios. Uh, you have kids' classes. It's a lot of money for the studios. Um, so they, they like to have you know, kids' classes. Um, and they're often kind of a mix between like a dojo and a zoo. The, the discipline level is pretty much non-existent. But then in Aikido, I was amazed just because, uh, I mean, complete, it's called discipline. I mean, all the kids were, were, uh, were, tuned in. They knew what was going yeah. on. They were listening. They were respectful. They were bowing. And I just thought, now this is completely good. You know, nobody was forcing them. Nobody was being mean to them. You just walk into the dojo and you just can't help, <laughs> even if you're a kid. Well, Master uh, Funakoshi wrote in his book, The Precepts of uh, Martial Arts, um, is uh, Rei, R-E-I. That means respect. And he said, without Ray, it is just beastly fighting. And that's mm. true. Because if you, uh, you know, I don't know 
I don't know any martial artists that are out there trying to get in fights all the time just to prove how tough they are. Um, no good ones. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> but um, there's a the number two guy up at the Fairbanks Dojo. His name is Dennis Swarthout. Uh, his title is Wrenchy. Um, he uh, he. If you ever watch him do a kata, it's the prettiest thing you've ever seen a man do. Uh, but he's got he's got power. He's got skill. He says, but you know, um, if I'm uh, I practice five different things uh, to, for being on the street, and he likes this kind of a uppercut cross uh, coming up. Uh, he says, you know, somebody somebody bothers my wife or one of my boys. I'm just going to lay him out. And he did that once down in Las Vegas and and uh, in front of three uh, Las Vegas Metro policemen. And they arrested the guy that he hit because the guy turned around and was yelling and screaming at him, telling him he was going to rip his uh, effing head off and all that kind of stuff. Dennis hit him once and the guy was down. And uh, one of the Metro officers came over and said, uh, nice hit. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said, uh, so you were placed in fear by his words and actions, right? Uh, yes, sir, I was. Okay. We'll handcuff him and have a nice day. So, uh, but, but he, he focused on stuff that works. Um, and, you know, people say, oh, kata, that's just uh, dojo ballet. Well, kata teaches you proper form. And if your form is right, then the chances of you delivering the energy um, from your hands or your feet or, or your 45 um, it's a good thing. Um, so anyway, it, uh, we all have to, uh, and you know, I've had people that, that are, are just aren't, um, very, they don't pay much attention. And, um, and I'm kind of, um, yeah, I, anyway, um, <laughs> but I've, I've got a poster down there in my, my, uh, room down at the shop um uh it's from bruce lee you must take the uh, the abilities and limitations of every student into consideration um hanshi had a student that did kata on two crutches and wow. uh yeah and he said well uh he has some he's developing some skill that might help him at some point so um, everybody's welcome. Um, I typically, if I have a, a brand new shooter, I start them with a 22 pistol, so they learn how to shoot a gun. They're not intimidated by the report or the uh, recoil. Um, and then once they do that, they graduate up to typically a semi-automatic pistol. Um, I make every once you pass your um, third done, you can't go any higher until you come back and pass the first on test with a revolver because you got to be able to know how to run a wheel gun. Yeah. And then I, then after third done, um, it's time and grade plus they all have to uh, do some precision rifle work. Um, we like to go down to Thunder Ranch, which is 16 miles north of the California border in Lakeview, Oregon. And it's run and owned by a guy named Clint Smith, um, who's the best firearms instructor left on the face of the earth. Um, 
he was a deputy after Vietnam. He was a Marine. Was uh, I think he was shot twice, um, and then he was a deputy in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and he he is just uh, he'll teach you how he'll he'll find Paul find polish everything that you're doing. He has different perspectives on some things, but uh, he's really a good instructor. And but. We'd go to his mid-range rifle courts, so we shot out to 700 yards, um, and uh, everybody, I said, okay, um, you got to hit every piece of steel out to 500, um, <clears throat> and then by the, by the end of the third day, I hit every piece of steel out to 600, so I, I worked better than my low expectations of myself. But you got a guy like that who, who says, hey, why don't you try this? And you try that, and oddly enough, it works. So, but I think yeah. I think it's important that we all be able to protect ourselves, um, our families. Um, you know, the world is getting less and less civil, and I think it's incumbent upon every single person to um, be able to protect themselves. And that self-reliance is is very American. And that's something that, uh, you know, I definitely promote, I believe in. And I think that uh, um, it is sad that in the country we see many people who want to surrender that defense to, I guess, the state, I guess, the government. Um, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on that's not incredible right now. <laughs> so I think that all we really can do is... Well, keep training, and one of the things I really like about Hujitsu is that it's a respectful, I love the word ray, that really fits, you know, formalized, definitely skillful, um, you know, learning of firearms that I think would work for a lot of people, and I think really puts it in the right perspective, because, uh, you know, anybody who's uh, you know, and shoots, you know, whether, however that is, whether you're a hunter or uh, you carry a gun or you just like, you know, shooting cans off the fence on the weekend with a 22, doesn't really matter. You've had people ask, hey, you know, I want to learn how to shoot. And I think that having a really, I think Hujitsu is a great place to point people, you know, like try this because one of the frustrating things I find with people who want to learn to shoot is most of the time they just want you to give them a loaded gun and they shoot a target with it and then they give it back to you. And <laughs> that's just something I won't do. I'm like, I know, I just, you're going to have to put the effort forth, the hours, hours forth to learn something because, you know, the truth is I want you to be safe. I don't want you to hurt people or, your, or any, anyone or yourself or shooting anything you don't mean to. But also, I don't want you to miss out on. Well, now I can say not just what firearms are about, but also what martial arts are about. Because you're just you're you're just just pulling the triggers, just scraping the surface. Yeah. Um, you know, Chuck Taylor uh, came up with two tests. One was the handgun combat master. Um, it's the hardest shooting test I've ever done. I uh, I think I failed it 46 times before I finally passed it. Oh my it. gosh! <laughs> and wow. that was that was with a Colt 1911, and then I passed it with a revolver, and I later passed his four weapon master, where you shoot in this order: um, pistol, 
submachine gun, shotgun, and then rifle. So you beat yourself to death with a rifle or with a uh, shotgun, and then you got to shoot these precision shots in really short time. But um, yeah, so I've you know done those, and I think any any structured program that gives you a goal, um, you know, uh, that you can achieve, but you might not be able to achieve it the first time. You might take forty six tries like I did before <laughs> you finally pass it. And I've been shooting since I was four. I'm seventy one now. My dad was an all army rifle and pistol champion. So I learned how to shoot correctly from the very beginning. And, um, you know, once you, once you know uh, sights and trigger and can do that consistently, then um, that's the biggest, biggest thing to overcome is your aversion to, uh, to a good trigger press. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so. We've covered a lot. And so if people want to learn more about Jiu-Jitsu, of course there is uh there's your website and such and I'll have all that linked in the in, in, in the show notes. But it seems like there are seminars that travel around and there are there are places that they can get into it if they're close enough. But the the uh, jitsu is expanding and as you mentioned, definitely uh people who know a good shooting range, gun club, etc., they can get you guys out there to do some training. Well, you know, we don't have a dojo in Arizona right now, Greg. I think uh, I think it's time <laughs> you, you, uh, you reach out to some of your folks and see if we can put something together. You know, I, I, uh, I, I'm going to do that. And I've actually, there's, uh, there are some great uh, firearms training uh, uh, groups here, companies that uh, are really top-notch. And they have the right mindset and... Uh, I think there's definitely right here in the Scottsdale, Phoenix, Mesa area, uh, some like-minded firearms training, and ultimately, and also, you know, martial arts studios that I think, so I'm going to work on that and see if I can make it happen, because I want to do jiu-jitsu, and I want to train with people and, and do it, and so I'll have to just bring it here, because I'm stuck here. I really can't go anywhere else right now, so, <laughs> you know, so I'll just make it happen here. Well, that'd so, be good, you know, if we can get... Uh get you know 12 14 16 people um we'll start uh, the first day in the dojo um with blue guns while we're trying to work out the draw stroke and some of the other stuff um in in all of these things we also include punches kicks blocks weapon retention weapon takeaways all that other stuff um because the pistol should be your last resort or as one of my black belts masad ayub says in the gravest extreme, and mm. if you can if you can uh, turn the guy off by you know before you have to draw a gun, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, Masada, you have another incredible character. I'm not sure how old he is right now, but he's still training. That man, I, he doesn't seem to age. I think he stopped aging around 80 and just keeps going. So yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It goes to show what having a passion in life can do for you. You know. Yep, for well, sure. Yeah. Well, Jeff Hall, thanks so much for being on. Um, I'll be talking to you. We'll get something set up here in Arizona. And other people listening to this, hey, get it set up in your state as well. Um, this needs to – this is an important thing. It just really is. And I think it's going to – well, we're going to make sure it gets bigger because it needs to. So take if care. They want to reach it, 
If they want to reach out to me, they can go to the website, forceoptions.net, or they can just uh, send me an email at soke at ojutsu.com. Gotcha. All right, everybody, let's get to it. Thanks, (laughs) Craig. Thank you, Jeff Hall. You bet. Bye-bye.